Welcome to Bonehead Weekly. We are here with a bunch of writers. And as Stephen King has always said, what is crazier than a writer? Nothing. Actually, I was going to say nothing than a shithouse rat. But I didn't want to inter- I didn't want to insult anybody with this. We are excited. <laughs> I don't want to say that uh, Dr. Applegate and Dr. Thomas were both late, even though they scheduled this between the two of them. Thank you all. Dr. Thomas was extremely late. I actually, originally <laughs> I said 9.15, just for the record. If you go back no. and check your emails, Joe, you'll see it says 9.15. Yeah, I figured the 8 o'clock was padding. Um, yeah, that's what I, I thought too, but evidently Joe doesn't read. No. Uh-oh. No, and it's funny that we're talking to a bunch of writers today about this. We did establish so, that already, so it's on record. Yeah, that's well, true. It's not. We're recording. <laughs> Busted. So what I'm going to do Busted. is go. What I'm going to do is go around the room, introduce each one of you really quick, and then if you could, Dr. Thomas, talk a little bit about the book, and then you and Brandon or Brandon, can you talk a little bit more about it, and we'll go from there. Okay. So I want, I want to introduce. Mr. Eric Raglan, did I say your name correctly? What is on your shirt, sir? Yes, you did. Planning for oh, uh, Burial. Planning for Burial. It's a band. Oh, so, okay. So right. kind of a doomy, doomy metal band from Pennsylvania. I am so old, but I am familiar with Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right. Miss Wendy Wagner is down there. How are you doing? Excellent. I've been trying. She was giving me a compliment on my posters, and I've been trying to read the books in off her shelf is there a copy of sleeping beauties back there between owen and stephen king yeah and it's autographed even it's the only autographed stephen king book that i have and it's like a little miracle and like my total treasure (laughs) did you did you get it at one of those talks where he was there were so many that they were given away yeah so like at the end of the event here in powell's in portland like everybody got their copy of the book and like only random people got their signed. and i like opened it up and i almost like i burst into like happy tears <laughs> I, when this is over with i will tell you how i got my my original one sheet creep show signed by it's signed by him and joe ah! that's right all right cool. I, oh that's okay this shows about you all not me Drew Huff, how are you today? Pretty good. A little nervous. Uh, drank too much coffee, but I'm <laughs> super stoked, honestly. Let's try some scotch. That'll make you feel better. I enjoyed the clock right behind your head. I was looking. It was like just a clock. She's concentrating. I know. On time. I'm like, I was wondering if I should take it off the wall, and I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah, we say that well, a there lot. There goes our it's, five-year-old crowd. Thanks, Drew. It's, yeah. it's a good reminder that my life is slowly ticking away. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> well, the little bastard shouldn't be up this late, even though it's not live. Anyway, K.A. Wiggins, I have to admit, I not that I'm not going to, I'm going to compliment, compliment each one of your stories, but I was sitting there going, just how long does it take to, to save little pieces of yourself to get onto a whole pound? I mean, you have to try it and let us know. You're the writer, ma'am. I'm just saying, you're the writer. <laughs> you think I do research? I just make that <laughs> shit up. Um, That's no, come awesome. on, it wouldn't take that long. I have no She's idea. She's got 10 years or something, like the average, I feel like it wouldn't be that bad. It's just- How much an- dust each of us produce in a year? It's gotta like add up, right? If Joe stood up, listened to t- Twist and Shout, it would take a grand total of 30 seconds. That's an obscure fat joke, by the way. All right. So, James Thomas, 
you want, you and Brandon want to talk about the book real quick? Well, I mean, I think Brandon's the editor when it makes it. I, I mean, why, James, you're fucking stage. dead weight. You're more than 200 pounds of stuff I could just trade for, for shit, for a devil. <laughs> All right, Mr. Applegate. Yeah. You have edited a book of short stories, but it has a different have- twist. So can you talk about yeah. it? Happy to do it, man. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I edited a book called, and I'm still reeling from the idea that I edited a book, by the way. I wrote one book and then I edited one book. So I'm kind of new the whole bit. Uh, but uh, I, I wrote, I edited a book called All a Dream, and it is an anthology of, uh, as the title says, bad horror tropes done right. Now, uh, that's a little bit inflammatory. I don't really think any of the tropes in here are necessarily bad. Uh, And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily believe in bad tropes. I believe in tropes done badly and tropes done well. Uh, So, you know, uh, it's my hope that all the tropes in this book are done well, and I believe they are. Uh, And, yeah, I got to work with some incredible writers some of my heroes some saw some amazing stories come through uh some of the people in this room have written some of the best fiction i've ever read so yeah i'm uh, i'm really stoked to be here and talk about it and, and real quick over your shoulder i believe there happens to be the cover of the book framed right yeah there there it is yeah, <laughs> yeah there it is yeah my wife got me that <laughs> uh yeah here since I don't have a hard copy yet, this is the closest I've got. So there it is. Oh, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. If you guys are if you guys are listening to us on SoundCloud, check out the YouTube video if you get a chance to look at the cover. And I think you cut out a little bit. It was all a dream, an anthology of bad horror tropes done right. And when you were saying, well, I, I, I thought you were about to say a bad horror tropes done wrong is what you were going to say earlier. Going <laughs> nope, definitely done right in this case. So I have some... <laughs> I have some just preliminary, really softball bullshit. Anybody can ask questions. And the first one is, is how, how much leeway did you have? How did you go about selecting specifically the four beautiful folks that we have on our show today? And how did you go about the submissions of that? Did you reach out to people? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world is Laurel Hightower. Tell her she's an asshole for me, please. Uh, (laughs) we're close our kids play together she's been on bonehead for several times and the title of her short story fuck this shit manner is perfection i haven't read it It, isn't it isn't it just chef's kiss it's perfect well if you know where it is yeah yes it is (laughs) so i'm just kind of curious how did you how did everyone get involved and maybe we want to go around in each story just tell us your process and then we can ask everybody Yeah, I mean, I'll just kick it off by saying that, you know, to start off the anthology, it was just kind of weird. It was a uh, it was a discord chat between me and a few other writers sitting there trying to come up with the worst ideas for horror anthologies we could possibly come up with. It was just a goof around moment. Uh, and uh, I brought up this one and within and Eric was actually in that chat. Hi, Eric. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we came up with a, a number of them, some of them really, really horrible. Uh, and this one uh, fell out of my mouth. And then we were just talking about uh, we made fun of it for a little bit. And then we 
uh, immediately started also talking about the possibilities of it. Uh, it. It was a neat idea. And so from there, it was an open call for the most part. I invited a few folks, Wendy being one of the folks that I invited directly, uh, but everybody else was part of the open call. We got over 400 submissions to this thing, which is kind of huge for a smallish thing like this. Uh, I was very excited about it uh, and also overwhelmed by the huge influx of emails. But I'll let you guys talk about how y'all yeah all your story ideas and sent in really quick let's take a second and pat ourselves on the back ladies and gentlemen over 400 and you beat out the competition that we all can't be as special as wendy who got a special reach out <laughs> but let's start with wendy though how did you know about which did you know exactly as soon as he says i think you should do this this is the story i'm going to do i'm going to do the devil's morning and I'm, we're going to talk about a lady who's just got not only regular issues but existential issues i don't i don't know how much you want me to give away of these stories because there's you know each one of them <laughs> has their twist right well i had actually started working on a short story right before pandemic like like literally like the week before everything went into lockdown i had gone to um my writing groups like regular write-in at our favorite little tea shop. And I really wanted to write a story inspired by this totally creepy song. Uh, it's called Scarecrow by the band McCafferty, which is like a normally like a, a Midwest emo band. But this story, this song has like this really like creepy country kind of sound. It just really made me think of like weird Western stuff. And so that day, yeah, I just sitting at the coffee shop, like play that song over and over and over again and tried to write a story. Um, and then we went into lockdown and I didn't do anything else with this that I just written by hand. It just like had sat around for a couple of years, basically. <laughs> and so when Brandon emailed me, um, I was like, suddenly I was like, wait a minute. Some of the things I was doing and the directions I was taking the notes for this story that I started so long ago could really work with the whole notion of this bad tropes vision. And so I just like sat down and just like ripped what I'd created to like shreds and reassembled it. And I really liked what I put together. It was super fun. Um, so I was like really relieved when I sent it to Brandon and he was like, oh yeah, this is, this is just what I'm looking for. So that was, it was great. <laughs> That's so cool. All right, let's let's. Uh, who you should... just gave me a, a real quick. You just gave me a new song to obsess about because I was listening to it while you were talking, and I am amazed by it. Isn't it creepy? It's so it's good. Awesome. So part of that should be a compliment. The other part of it is, I, I, what do you yeah. mean? Were you listening <laughs> to this? Shit? <laughs> no, I, what an asshole! No, 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 no. I, I'm so so glad, so glad I, I, I we invite guests to the show, Chad, for you to really show up. Uh, That's great, Chad. Thanks. <laughs> You missed oh. the whole thing about where I was reading these stories, listening to Albert Fish podcast earlier, James. <laughs> <laughs> I can multitask like a some bitch. I wouldn't say I missed it, Jay. <laughs> All right, let's go to Drew since Drew's next. How did what what, what okay. happened here? Did you submit? I did. I did. So this was one of the first forays into short fiction that I had done. Um, I had just finished writing up my novel that I'm, well, my novel manuscript, I'm kind of shopping around right now, Freeburn, and I sort of needed not like a palate cleanser, but after you do a really long project like that, you sort of just need 
some short little things to tide you over until you get to the next idea. So I saw this anthology and it just was like, yes, yes, I finally have an outlet to take this trope of serial killer from the psych ward and twist it. I always kind of hated that trope, really bothered me, got under my skin, but I'd sort of been waiting for the right moment to subvert that. So I saw it, I just had that feeling, sat down on the computer and I was just kind of pounding out some ideas. And I also kind of was like, okay, what about loser stoner? What about this trope? And I sort of played, sort of just worked some puzzle pieces around until I came up with a good plot. And then I just, it just came out. It um, took me, I would say, a little bit to get the entire story and kind of realize that it's also in a way about the slow realization that your childhood and your past is not what it seems. There's sort of a, a sadness to it. That and... and I, yeah, it was super fun. The, the phrase that comes I to mind... I will say... And I, and I won't give away, I mean, most of the stories in the book are going to have some level of twist to them. Uh, like I did not see the ending of that coming. I wasn't sure what the ending was going to be, but I didn't think it was going to be that. So, Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it was a fine balancing line between, because I was trying to sort of weave in little hints like, okay, this guy isn't responding the way a normal person would respond on here and there. But I didn't want to foreshadow it too, obviously, you know? Well, I was kind of curious, uh, if you don't mind talking a little bit about, because for you other three writers, you wrote the gender that clearly, but you, mm -hmm. you, you, not only did you use what I call rearranging the furniture, which we do in our mind, right? It's like mm -hmm. the couch was over there in my childhood, but it really wasn't. You've rearranged it. <laughs> you wrote from the, can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, you wrote it from a male yeah. perspective. Um, honestly, I think some of that was, so free burn, again, still shopping it around. I worked for a really long time on that. And free burn is also, it's pretty, I mean, obviously the plot's different, but it's also written from a male point of view in deep first person point of view. So like, if you liked this short story, I mean, you're gonna, you'd love Freeburn. For me, I guess it, it's easy to, and maybe this is just because I'm queerer than a $3 bill, but I guess it hasn't been very difficult for me to write from that point of view. I've never really had an issue writing in either gender per se, but yeah, it just kind of came to me. Okay. And honestly, like, you know, in the media, we see when women are portrayed with mental illness, it's like you're supposed to feel sorry for them. Nine times out of 10. They're a waif. They're a victim. You see a dude with schizophrenia, you're supposed to be scared of him. So I also think gender, it, it was important to me that this was a guy. This guy in any other horror flick would have been some kind of budding serial killer just waiting to explode and yeah yeah Norman Bates I mean Nor the classic yeah yeah I was thinking of oh what's his name from Black Christmas buddy Billy Billy from Black Christmas is another mm -hmm. great example of the crazy psycho ward escapee right or the uh, silent night deadly night why are crazy people mm -hmm. always out on the holidays anyway okay you couldn't answer my question earlier of just how many fingernails and whatnot. I'm curious because that 
question has stuck with me now for a little while of, oh my goodness, if I had to give a pound of flesh, exactly how would I do it? So I'm a, I'm a big dude. I was thinking some sort of liposuction or some sort of cosmetic surgery because there's not a lot of detail. Man, that's too fast. That'd be easy. Yeah. I'm no, I don't want it difficult. Who wants to, who wants to work hard anyway? So Honestly, I'm screwed on the dandruff department. No, <laughs> but, but, but you lose skin all over your body. So, I mean, don't get, don't get too locked down to your paradigm. <laughs> no, it's all right. He's very scaly. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Okay. So I'll give you the full on behind the scenes of this Thank is, you. uh, I'd been doing Christmas shopping and I bought, do you know what, like, have you ever seen pedicure tools? It was a pedicure thing for someone. And it's like a little yeah. cheese grater for your skin, basically. Uh-huh. And I was like, holy crap, you can like, like get a lot of skin off over the course of, and I was thinking about, you know, where does that go? And like, how does it go back into, you know, the circle of life and contribute? I mean, it's just going down the drain. That's a waste. So it'd be good if you could do something constructive with it. So like, why not pay off your debt to a, devil who's gonna you know eat you alive but she the the best joke is her ridiculous requests oh yeah no it's yeah yeah right i don't want to give too much away to people who haven't written it but who haven't read it but it's it's pretty funny especially if you're a writer right or you know anything well, about yeah and know anything about writing and publishing because you all have made a fortune at doing this right brandon Oh yeah, I, I'm rolling in it, man. Yeah. He's rolling in something. <laughs> I, I will say that there's a there's a few tropes that I really hoped people would send me some version of yeah. uh, when when I when I started the project. Uh, Drew, I really hoped that people would write the kinds of tropes that you did from a different perspective and flip them. Okay. I, there was a moment when I was like, somebody, please send me a deal with the devil trope that is flipped on its head somehow. And you didn't really flip it on its head per se, but you made such a clever way for this person to get out of trouble that, uh, yeah, it, it was it was very fun. I, I laughed out loud, like my wife heard me from the other room when I got to the end of that one. <laughs> See, but you're the first editor who told me that and bought the story. The rest of them were like, ah, writer's jokes. No one wants to read this shit. <laughs> They're like, it's funny, but no one will get it. So, I mean, time will uh, tell. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll happily be the first person to buy that. <laughs> Great. Eric, you're not last. You, you are last, but you're definitely not least. Can you tell me about your short story? Because I actually, as we were, as I was reading it, because you've already been around us long enough, especially when the pitchfork is going through the bear traps. <laughs> I know you wrote it as a different, but I started giggling because I built it up as a naked gun kind of thing in my head. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, you weren't going yeah. for that effect. That's that's all me. I'm I'm I am I am. No, that's that all right. There. I think the, yes. as soon as it as soon as it left and entered Brandon's inbox, it, the story belonged to someone else. So right. you interpret it however you want. I think it's one of the bleakest things I've ever written, but um, but if you if it gave you a laugh, then I'm, I'm glad about that too. <laughs> um, well, that part of it, the other part about people <laughs> having to endure hate and misery for mm-hmm. no other thing oh, yeah, yeah. than being themselves did not make me laugh mm-hmm. at all. But mm-hmm. me building up this idiot trying to get across here and, and then looking, I 
it's not what you intended, but it yeah. I did find it that slightly funny. With with this one though, I do love the the challenge of I mean, as soon as Brandon put up the call, I was like, Oh yeah, I love this challenge. Like this is something that I honestly think is valuable to do with, you know, most stories to some regard. Like, okay, you know, if I'm gonna use a, a trope uh in a really prominent way, how can I, you know, give this a, a interesting spin? And um, so I thought it was just a fun challenge, but I think also as far as setting goes too, the story is called Bloody Nights at Hippie Cliffs. And uh, I'm from a place in Nebraska. We have a, a place that is not, I, I wouldn't say it's like the place in the story, but it is called Hippie Cliffs. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people hang out there. I, I don't know that it's a gay cruising spot, but if it's not, it could be. It should know? be, right? We could, we could make that happen. Um, minus the other stuff that happens in the story. Right. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I guess that's just a little fun, fun little background. But yeah, it took me maybe a month to write this one. I really agonized over the prose with it because I don't know. I think especially when there are settings that are Nebraska inspired, I really want to do the setting justice. And hopefully the prose did that. And um, yeah, I just am happy that Brandon wanted it. And uh, it's going to be in the book. <laughs> All right. You, uh, you, you told me the title of that story before I got the chance to read it. And uh, you knew when the you, preliminary you, title too. Yeah, I did. I, I what was the preliminary title before you laid it it's on called Bloody Fuck Night? Mountain. Yeah, Fuck Mountain. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Mountain. And then I, that yeah, yeah. That, that was a short-lived title, yeah. Yeah. But those those couple of titles, neither one of them did well the story did not end up being what I thought it was going to be based on those titles, right. but it's an incredible story. But now I want to see an entire collection of stories and they all just have that title. Like let, let that title, let 15 different <laughs> authors run with that title and let's see what happens. It could be a good time. Maybe. I'm, I'm just saying the boneheads would submit a story for the fuck mountain anthology. <laughs> and it's probably and it's probably not going to go where you think it's going to go i, I would be disappointed if it did yes, yes. <laughs> it, yes, i gotta interject sorry i gotta interject because i got i gotta tell eric a story because <laughs> i don't get to meet people from nebraska every day <laughs> so Oh, I don't know. Joe probably doesn't remember this. Now, Our part of this is because Chad's not allowed to cross state lines. Hold on. Is this, Kevin's, girl... <laughs> is this Kevin's girlfriend's story? No, no, no. Then I have no, another um, story about Nebraska. Keep yeah. going. Uh, on our very first live show, we had, some, we had some people on our panel with us while we did our show. And one of the guys happened to be from Nebraska because Joe went by and asked where everybody was from. And I don't know why my brain said this or why these words came out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, you know what they call Nebraska? And the, and the gentleman said, what? The less, more, the less moral Iowa. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and so now that we have you on the show false. today, Mr. Raglan, <laughs> is it false or true? Is it the less moral Iowa? Um, you know, I, I just got back from a weekend uh, in Minnesota and I had to drive through <laughs> Iowa both ways. And it was just a nest of depravity um, each time I went through. So uh, I'm going to say Nebraska is is better. And <laughs> that is where that is where we're putting Fuck Mountain is in Iowa. Okay. I'm okay. With that. <laughs> we're going to build the fuck out of Fuck Mountain in Iowa. Well, yeah. You Iowa, just need well known for its mountains. What Sorry. did you say, Drew? Well, yeah. You just need enough people. Need enough bodies. 
true. <laughs> Let the bodies and hit the floor. And on that note, I am saying good night to everybody. Good night, everybody. It's good talking to you all. Good luck on the book. Sign all the contracts. <laughs> all right. Now, the second question I have, and I'm going to let James and Chad take over a little bit. And I, I apologize, but this is a question I've asked many people. And I, I do like, there's certain folks I, I like to ask it of. Uh, one of one of them is stunt folks when we have them on the show. And another one is writers. What the fuck is wrong with you? Who wants to go first? Now, it's a very mean, simple question. Hey, I'm going to take this because uh, I work with kids a lot. So that'll be great. <laughs> go ahead. What do you do? Um, so for context, I'm, uh, I'm actually the president of the Children's Writers and Illustrators of British Columbia. And uh, awesome. parents allow me to teach their children um, creative writing as a extracurricular. So they pay me to do that stuff. That's uh, awesome. And they stopped paying me once I started mentioning I write horror. So that's also fun. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, that's it. Let me. All right. So I'll, I'll bring the question down a little bit. What, what do you think? and this this is a true Stephen King story and I've told this multiple times but when he was young he talks about finding some Lovecraft novels that his dad walked out on when he was young and they found them in a thing upstairs and if you guys have heard this before you know, feel free to stop me and and he started getting and he, has, and he heard a story about Jerry Lee Lewis he saw it when Jerry Lee Lewis was young musician he saw a piano and he didn't know what it was but he had to get at it and he didn't know what those Lovecraft novels were but he had to get at it so can you guys kind of talk about a little bit about that that impetus or whatever that was that got you into horror or maybe writing i know I, I because i haven't read a lot of your stuff i don't know if it varies much outside the genre but if it is horror i'd like to hear why are you fucked up yeah no it, it's a great question and it's a fun one because um i haven't celebrated halloween since i was four and i grew up in a family where you didn't do that that was like devil worship i was holiday. religious yeah. like that's no good so religious um and and don't get me wrong great family but it just wasn't a part of my childhood and uh to the extent that like if the other kids were you know reading Banicula or whatever in your elementary school classroom it was like no I had a different book to read because you know we don't touch that stuff so I did not have a lot of horror exposure growing up and until fairly recently actually and I really thought of myself as a fantasy writer uh just the way I'm marketing the way I'm I'm presenting things and I get on Twitter and there's all these horror writing people and they're kind of awesome um, and I started interacting with readers, started interacting with kind of a wider world of books and realizing that a lot of what I love, it's not the fantasy part of fantasy. It's kind of this dark, messed up, twisted part of it. So, you know, when everyone's getting like their asses handed to them by the monster, that's the part that I really get excited about. Uh, so I am a horror writer masquerading as a fantasy writer because I did not know what horror was until quite recently or that it could be, um, the less visible things so like the gothic element of horror mm -hmm. um some of the quiet horror is way more interesting to me than like chainsaws and zombies which if that's your thing that's great but uh to me that wasn't like a welcoming face of horror that i would relate to so it's it's kind of been a journey and uh i have trouble not including horror elements in everything i write so i figure just like <laughs> welcome it to that own it. self be true by the way, do you think that that you know the devil's getting tired of getting blamed for Halloween? Like he's wouldn't it be more like Black Friday is much more a devil's holiday, right? People are getting trampled, but everybody's like, no, Halloween's bad. Sorry. 
No, no, oh. valid. All right. Who's... Like, no, no, not even Black Friday. Easter. It's about a zombie. Oh, thanks, Chad. <laughs> oh, well, wait. there goes our viewership. Good night, everybody. The Kentucky Black Friday. We've got Wrath. We've got Karen's. We've got gluttony, greed. Yeah. I mean, you walk into any Walmart on a Black Friday. I, oof. Drew, all I heard was gluttony and greed. Two of my favorite words. Fairness, though, I actually agree with that because they're also zombies. That's true. They're, they're pursuing something. They're not thinking. They're just going. 50-inch flat screen. <laughs> I already have a fix. We've all got our a- next anthology topic. <laughs> That's true. No, I'm I'm sticking with Fuck Mountain. So who wants to go next? I'm, I want to hear. Drew, do you want to go next? Okay. So I think my first real foray into horror, and I'd always loved stories when I was a kid. I was a bookworm. You know, I think all of us here can relate to that. You just you were the kid with your nose. I was in a book outside. All the other reindeer. You know, all that jazz. So. When I was nine years old, I got my hands on a copy of The Shining and I read it. That was just, I think for me, it was interesting to, I guess it's not, I kind of agree with uh, what Kay was saying. It's not about the chainsaws and the monsters. For me, it's about how the protagonist escapes from that or defeats the monster or worse, becomes the monster. That's interesting too. I guess, and I, you know, I just liked it. I was a hardcore goth when I was in high school. My dad and I used to go to Dollar Tree and get one of those, you know, 30 30 horror movies, like a box set, you know? And we would watch and we would just try to rank them by shitty special effects, shitty CGI. (laughs) Your childhood was amazing. Oh, yes. Yes. But for me, I think the reason I tend to gravitate towards horror when I write is because of the rawness of emotion and feeling. You just don't really see it in a lot of other genres. Even like a lot of romance that's marketed nowadays, it's like, and I'm not, I'm not going to get on my artistic high horse. I'm not going to say that people who, you know, work blue collar jobs and get home should have to perform emotional labor every time they want to crack open a book, plumb the depths of the human psyche. But I do think it's like when I'm doing a piece of media or I'm reading a piece of media, I want to explore the human psyche. I want to go into the depth of that emotion. I'm here for authenticity and rawness. And realness. Just and I want to explore the full spectrum of that. And unfortunately, that just tends, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, that just tends to take me into the horror genre. I think I like to use my monsters as pretty handy metaphors for mental illness, abuse, what have you. I guess to me, Stephen King mentions in his stop saying terrible things about his mother. Oh, good. I can stop saying terrible things about Joe's mother. I, I am a, a apologist. lie. Your mother's nothing but nice. It's you that's wrong. Yes. Well, <laughs> you know, that's okay. I apologize for my internet going to shit. There was a, the last thing I got as we were recording was Stephen King says on his, and I'm assuming you were talking about on writing, but I don't know. So you go ahead. I got the gist of it. <laughs> Stephen King for life. I am very jealous of Wendy Wagner's signed copy. 
well then i will tell you my story of creep show then when we're done you and wendy stay on and i will show it to you so okay. all right i was gonna say drew and i have kind of the same history because i was like my my first introduction to horror uh, novels was but it wasn't the shining it was it mine was misery so. Ooh. yeah the mine was the last horror. unicorn Still no one cares <laughs> yeah the first horror book i ever read was a skeleton crew oh that was know, that's awesome that was number seven or eight yeah yeah that was my second or third one when do you want to go next since you're already yeah so i grew up in a really really rural environment like up until i was five we lived on like a sheep ranch and then we moved to southern oregon where my dad was a logger and so pretty much my entire childhood was just full of like uh things like animals being butchered, car accidents, roadkill, um, you know, just constant nonstop gross, horrible thing all the time in the background of the world. And I was like a pretty lonely little kid. I had two older sisters, but they were a lot older. My parents were really busy with like, you know, things like going bankrupt and stuff like that. And so I was just kind of in like a low level state of like terror, I think my whole childhood. I think we lost Joe again. Um, yeah, so. No, I'm totally here. I'm totally here. I was just making sure everything was working. I'm so sorry. No, you keep going. Okay. I am listening here. We are recording and so, we were good. But by the way, real quick, though, you mentioned car accidents as part of what was going on. Was there a lot of car accidents near your family's place? Are you implying that your family may have caused those car accidents? Is there another <laughs> story here? Uh, well, there was like a really big car accident that we were in when I was a little kid, but also like four. Um, but we like when we moved to Southern Oregon, we lived on this road that was like extremely narrow and windy and ran along like the side of this deep ravine. So you're just sort of like hanging on this cliff face, often in like deep fog with like, you know, log trucks like zooming by at warp speed or like hunters going by like not being careful and there were always people going off the road and I mean just and, and like you just hear like horrible stories like oh yeah that's how Pinky lost his arm when he went over the cliff and had to crawl back up it one-handed <laughs> to get to the hospital you know it was that was just girl life um, wendy is making this shit up you remember we we're talking about <laughs> rearranging the furniture she's got her story at pet cemetery somehow all together talking about <laughs> there was a road i, mean, I, I had a little brother named gage <laughs> i just love uh, that she picked the name pinky pinky he's a real guy <laughs> because he had none chad he had none <laughs> i was gonna make that man anyway so like when i found stephen king's work as you know inappropriately at seven or eight it just felt like homecoming right it's just like the normal people that i grew up with it's non-stop mm -hmm. white trash and peril and uh, yes. it was just like a good and cozy place to be and usually like the good guys won in the end so it just felt like a safe and wonderful place to like you could be scared, but you could work through it. Um, mm -hmm. And that really stayed with me. And I just like kind of kept that love all growing up. Um, and then 
I got into writing horror. I think I'm probably like the oldest person involved in this book, but <laughs> I got involved in writing horror and it was like a big part. And then for me in 2016, well, 2017, I got really depressed for a lot of different reasons. Um, and we started playing this game, a video game called Until Dawn, um, which is a super fun game if you play video games at all. It's just packed with like horrible things and Wendigo monsters and serial killing action and jump scares up the wahoo. And it was so riveting and so exciting. And when I would play it, I would feel alive again. It was just like so amazing. And it, like all the different things about horror just really clicked in my head at that point. It was like, I love everything about it. And I just like kind of became like a horror advocate. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of like my whole life because now I edit the time I met I edit a horror magazine and I write horror novels I was writing science fiction but like after that it was like I'm done with science fiction it's horror or bust <laughs> all right thank you Eric once again last but definitely not least I'm curious sure yeah well so I mean Stephen King was part of it but I'll I'll go with something a little different too um, I, I was very lucky in growing up because both my parents worked as uh, English teachers. My mom was working under library science degree. And so uh, they let me check out whatever I wanted from the library. And most of the time that meant me in third grade checking out books about ghosts and demons and stuff. And so there's a lot of that going on. Um, I, I think as far as kind of stoking the interest in horror, uh, we had both some neighbors and then a family friend who had haunted houses. Um, one of them had this child ghost who I still very distinctly remember them showing me the image. This was before Photoshop. She'd taken one and, you know, had it printed out. Um, but she took, took a picture of this new uh, dining room table. And in the reflection of it, you could see the reflection of a, a child's face. And they didn't have the child. It was just a couple who lived alone. Um, that really fascinated me when I was a kid. And we had these other neighbors who had this ghost who Evidently, one of the, the parents had been sleepwalking one night and was about to sleepwalk and fall down the stairs and woke up almost like at a 45 degree angle, being essentially like held up by the ghost. That was the story anyway. And so kind of those, those really stuck with me and um, got me interested in ghosts. And then, um, yeah, uh, cryptids, demons, Stephen King, all that good stuff. Um, just kind of, yeah. Snowball that 45 degree angle thing is a good story it mm -hmm. is it is yeah <laughs> i remember i uh, so i was so desperate as a kid to to see a ghost that uh the one time i babysat for those neighbors i was probably like 11 or 12 at the time the kids were probably like uh, well i think it was just one kid maybe maybe four or five but i i remember specifically lying about a ghost story i was like oh yeah like i heard like the ghost's footsteps outside the door and I swear I heard it like I totally did, uh, but I was just a desperate little kid lying to <laughs> to get ghost cred. Um, so discrediting that one, but I have had legitimate ghost experiences mm. since then. So, All right, James and Chad, your turn. All I'll right, James and Chad, yeah, your turn. I was say, James, go. Well, no, I, I wanted to say one thing uh, I wanted to mention is there are um, illustrations in the book for each story, I believe. 
they're kick-ass they're awesome they are and that's what i wanted to talk about so obviously you all wrote the story and then the art was developed later i'm assuming Mm -hmm. um what was it like to see that art after and how did how it connected to your story what was your response as as you go through and, and saw that i was so happy I had had like a short story rejection or something come in that day. So I was a little sad. And this is one of my first pieces of um, published fiction. So, you know, I'm pretty young. I'm trying to, you know, look legit to my family. I'm like, look, look, I swear to God, I'm published. I swear to God, guys, this is coming to fruition. So when this came in, I was just showing it to everyone. I took a screenshot of mine. I was like, mom, look at this, look at this. This looks like demonic shaggy. This is amazing. And my mom actually made like a little poster for me so I could just hang it up. And yeah, I just, it made my whole day. I showed my friends. I was just so fucking stoked. All of them look amazing. So cool to hear. By the way, I, 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 I want to, stop and give some credit to the artist uh christopher castillo diaz is Mm -hmm. the uh, is a peruvian artist who i met uh i met him on fiverr of all places uh originally and he actually did the oil painting that was the front cover of my own story collection uh but the reason why i went to him in the first place is because most of his work is black and or most of the work that I saw of his originally he does a lot of other stuff now uh, but most of the original work I saw of his was black and white uh, sort of uh, line drawings and for my collection there were going to be tentacles on it and and a lot of his art deals with tentacles and so he does a lot of uh, uh, heavy metal band uh, album covers really is is what I saw and so that's why I went to him originally. And then I approached him about this project. And I was, I was originally like, okay, it's going to be about 18 drawings. And I was like, okay, it's going to be like 20 drawings. And I was like, okay, it's 26 drawings. Can you do it? And Christopher, absolute consummate professional, just rolled with everything, gave me the everything by the deadline that I asked for it by, uh, and does some absolutely wildly incredible work and so i'm i'm so pleased i've drew I've, I've heard from you i've heard from all of you guys how much you love the work that he did on this i couldn't agree more it's incredible work and the right. cover i want to give credit to the the cover artist uh didn't yeah. wasn't it angeline gallagher that evangeline gallagher yes beautiful it's bonkers isn't it yes oh yeah yeah, no, if you ever get a chance to, she's uh, very, Evangeline is very much online. Uh, their uh, website has a huge amount of uh, portfolio art on it. If you ever get a chance to go on and look at their uh, at their artwork, you definitely should. An incredible amount of really cool artwork. Some of it even very horror themed. I think they did a uh, uh, some stuff from like Hereditary and stuff like that. So there's some really cool stuff on there. So, Brandon, I'm kind of curious, did you, did he do alternates? Did you go through and pick, like he had two or three for just this short story, you got to pick, and two or three, did you read the short stories yeah. first? How, what was the process? You know, honestly, what I did with Christopher is I went through and I typed a short synopsis of each story and gave him a brief idea of what I thought it ought to, ought to look like. 
uh, and it was really just two short paragraphs of information about each story. And I, and I sent them over to him along with a copy of what was what existed of the book at the moment, because, you know, in case he wanted to get a little bit deeper into it. But, you know, uh, most of what you see on the page came from one, my synopsis and two, the crazy stuff in Christopher's head. Like he is, he's absolutely incredible and he nailed it every time. Uh, there were maybe five drawings out of the 26 that I asked for revisions on when he showed me the initial sketches, not many. Well, did anybody else want to say anything about the art before we go on? Any, anything about how it struck you as you saw what, how, how your work was envisioned? This is where I, one I of just, you goes and says, that was shit. It wasn't what I thought at all. <laughs> I was blown no, I, away. I was like the, yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, like go the, ahead, the scarecrow, like the pumpkin-headed scarecrow, was like exactly what I envisioned. Uh, the people were a lot better looking than I imagined, but their clothes were spot on. It was like wild. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I, I just want to get it framed. It looks so beautiful and uh, is pretty much exactly how I imagined it. So um, I'm very, very happy with what Christopher did for my story. Cool. Yeah, it was wild having like this custom artwork done because I, I don't know, 80% live in the indie world. And a lot of the time, you know, we're doing Photoshop, not that that's not artwork, but it, it's very commercially oriented. Um, half the time I'm commissioning stuff for myself. So to have someone else be like making art about my work that I didn't have to pay them to do it just was this really cool moment. And it's incredible artwork, like just sort of the retro, almost like schlocky old horror movie poster. It was incredible. It was so cool. I, I just want to echo. Yeah, like I need to get a poster made of it at some point. Amazing. Okay, I'm, I'm super glad you picked up on that because that uh, I discussed this with both Evangeline and with Christopher as we were going through it. And it was like what I want for this because it's a tropes anthology. What I want for this is very much like a artwork from Tales of Tales from the Crypt or Haunt of Fear, Vault of Horror, you know, those types of old yeah, comics yeah. that I used to read when I was a kid that are just full to the brim with the kinds of tropes that are that are, you know, reflected in the book. Yeah, and like so the I, pulp fiction era come back to life. Exactly. <laughs> so that was the direction I was going with it. It's cool that you saw that. All right, James. So so with that being said, and you wrote about tropes. I've got to also ask, are there any tropes you don't want to see anymore since you adapted these? Are there any when you're watching, when you're reading, are, you, are, are there ever any times when you're like, please not, let's not go down that. We've talked about it on the show before, like there's certain elements that have been played out, at least unless you have a unique vision or a unique take on it. We've talked on our show before about, you know, zombies may be about done unless you're doing something new. We've had a lot of zombie fiction, a lot of zombie, unless you're doing something new. So since you've given us new new spin on tropes, are there any tropes that, as you think about, you're like, I don't want to see that one anymore. Turn this on its head a little bit. Ooh, hard well, question. And, well, and I, I can talk a little bit about it from having gone through these and selected them. And I wanted to be, as I was going through this, really, really open-minded about essentially any trope that anybody wanted to bring to me and about what constitutes a trope. Because when I was writing the submission guidelines for this, I went to like tvtropes.com and I was going to try to pinpoint, mm -hmm. you know, some stuff and put it in the submission guidelines. And you literally can't, there's a billion tropes. Everything is a trope. And so, you know, there are tropes that annoy me when they're done in, in 
popular fiction, the cat jump scare is one that I hate. I hate it when a cat or a bird jumps out of a corner and dissipates all of the tension that the filmmaker has intended. But there were two or three, and I couldn't buy every story I wanted for this <laughs> anthology, unfortunately. It just, it, it sucks that way. But there were actually two or three cat jump scare stories, and they were good. They were not, they were specifically aping the trope of, of uh, cat jump scares, but they would make the cat the monster somehow, or they would do, uh, mm -hmm. they, they would do something else creative with it. Some really cool stories did that. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of vampires as just a general genre of fiction, but, you know, everybody's got their, 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 you know, likes and dislikes but at the same time one of the stories that made it in here was was Gemma Files story that is about her genuinely bizarre twist on a vampire and so it's it's specifically uh, she tried to do the exact opposite of a sparkly vampire so uh, <laughs> those are uh, you know I, I didn't want to while there are tropes that when I see them in movies done the way they're usually done uh, I believe that the quality of the, the of the use of the trope depends on how it's done so mm -hmm. you know you can it, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that I don't want to see it again I just want to see it done differently that's good uh, this is feel free writers to take this idea because I'm not talented enough to do it but the whole trope about somebody closing a medicine cabinet, opening a medicine cabinet and closing it and the serial killer being there. Uh -huh. Or the ghost or uh, the candy man or whatever yeah. the hell it is. It's always have it where the, have it where the ser serial killer is having a deep mental crisis because medicine cabinets don't fucking exist anymore. <laughs> Dude. And so he can no longer murder. You read my mind. You read my mind. I was just about to say that. Like, there just, you go. I <laughs> think they're a dying breed. Yeah. So there's your idea for the next short story. Thank you. You're welcome. And that will be at our anthology, Fuck Mountain. Let's just bring it all the way back. All the way back. All the way back. Well, are there are there things that you all hate? Chad's also bored of vampires, and I'm kind of done with zombies and superheroes. Superheroes aren't really part of this, but I'm kind of superheroed out. So, well, Joe, you're also done with Robin Hood. You've mentioned that several times. Oh my god, we all should be. We all should be done with Robin Hood. No, we're done. We're done. And Peter and Peter Pan should be thrown on a stake and set on fire. Oh my god, Peter Pan's another one. We're done, folks. We're done. Yeah, sorry. What about what about writers? Anything else that you're kind of tired of or you don't particularly like? Okay, I think personally for me, what makes a trope bad usually isn't the trope, it's the shallowness of the execution. Like you can have, you know what, I'll even say like, okay, let's take vampires, I'm with you. Vampires as they are, especially the sexy kind. Mm -mm. But if you take that and you put a twist on it or even put like some thought into it, I don't, Again, it's just, you can't just put a cardboard cutout of a trope in any piece of fiction and expect it to be something besides shallow. You need to give consideration to character. You need to add depth. I will say, I think one of my least favorite tropes that I see is the evil man-hating lesbian who like goes after men. And it's like, we're supposed to root for that. That drives me nuts. It's like, no, this is a person going after other people i'm not going to root for that just because it's a woman insert shallow quip about girl power like 
Okay. I mean, I think that's a great point because there's this idea now of, of comfort tropes, right? Like you'll see a freaking mm-hmm. Twitter thread go around every week about this. What's your comfort trope? And, uh, and there's marketing to that. There's the commercialization of that. And if it's your thing, like I'm sure there's someone out there that is just hoovering up every zombie story that comes out and like power mm-hmm. to them. I mean, that's great that, you know, there's a market need being filled. Um, but you're definitely right that if that's not your thing, you can feel the difference between like, you're just throwing this on the screen or on the page for me. And it's it's not doing any heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. So I, I do want to see something a little fresh, um, you know, have fun with it, make it creepy, like put some emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that'll give it a little extra life while we're on the topic of zombies. Kay, you know how I know you're from Canada. She said hoovering up and it just made me smile so much. You know why? <laughs> I had to I learn love... to use that word because I worked in Scotland for a number of months and they would laugh so hard every time I said vacuum. Vacuum and hoovering. I loved it. it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. That's okay. Listen to us. The boneheads are from Kentucky and we sound like it. All right, you know, James. Ask me, where, ask me where you check out books. Libraries. Library. library. He doesn't say that. I can't say if I say it too fast, it comes out library. That's okay. I have to watch. I have to watch my words. <laughs> if you say all the letters, you're not from the south, man. Also, yeah. also <laughs> any word, any word that ends in ed. Yes. Yeah. Or if it has a, that elongated vowel, like cooler, like you put fourteen O's <laughs> in cooler for some odd reason, it's cooler. All right, but K. Also, I was thinking of letter Kenny. Anyway, James, you have. <laughs> You have one well, last question. I, well, I, yeah, because I, I I know we're about an hour, but I did want to say, so you all have obviously written horror, but if not horror, what? So, you know, what is it if you're not in horror? You mentioned science fiction got mentioned, which is, is one of my favorite things ever, but I couldn't write it with a gun to my head because I, my mind doesn't work. That. I love to watch it, but I read it, but I can't function that way. Let's prove so it. If Who has not, a revolver? <laughs> Pull the trigger. Let's end this. Let's get it over with. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, yeah. But so yeah, I watched so Brandon if, move his hand over to the left, and I got scared. <laughs> like the, yeah. it, it was for the how, pen. I promise, it's for a pen. Let's, let's see how the telecommunication works. Uh, anyway, no. But so if not, I mean, if you're not in horror, if you're not writing horror or watching horror, or reading horror, what what is your other thing that you go to? I, I'm just actually curious because I, I think we all have those different things that we bounce to depending on our mo- mood. And so I was just curious, what else is there? I don't know if this is a cheap answer because, I mean, there there is so much overlap, but weird fiction is another place where I feel like my heart lands. Um, I I love fiction that, um, I guess, explores the, the strange, ambiguous, and not necessarily like nonsensical, but things that are like hard to rationally parse. Um, and a lot of times that does end up being horror, but not always. And uh, I think that one of the things I really love about weird fiction is that that sense of wonder that comes with it. There's, um, I don't know, uh, something that is, it, it, it's hard to do right. Um, but when I feel like I, I do do it right on those rare occasions, um, I feel very happy about uh, what I've written. And yeah, so that would be my semi-cheat answer weird fiction. No, well, I, I, so so what would be some weird fiction that you would recommend let me Ooh. put you on the spot with that so what if, if we have some listeners that are like oh i want to explore this weird fiction yeah what would be some things that would jump to mind 
Um, I guess as far as things I read in the past year, um, Michael Sisko's collection, Anti-Societies, was probably my favorite collection of weird fiction that I've read recently. There are some stories in there that are just so wonderfully strange and haunting because of that strangeness that I, I, I think that that is going to be the one that I recommend. I don't know that I'll um, uh, be able to come up with others right off the top of my head, but... Uh, Oh, I was going to ask you yeah. really quick, Eric, would you, would you uh, call Bunny, the, the Mona Awad book, uh, Awad book, would you call it weird or would you call it horror? Uh, it, it's got, it's got weirdness to it. I don't know. That's, that's such a, like, um, I don't know. That's a puzzling one because it's um, kind of saying fuck you to genre in general. Um, yeah. I don't know. I love, I do love that one though. Is there yeah. a movie example of what you're talking about? Um, I'm sure there are plenty. I guess one that I watched, uh, I watched it actually for the first time probably in the past year, year and a half. Um, I know this is kind of an old one, but I just love it. Uh, in the Mouth of Madness. John Carpenter. John Carpenter movie. Yeah, um, dude, is, all three of us, yeah. Man. Yeah, uh, just a, a stellar, stellar movie. It's so, his last masterpiece. Um, I'd also really say uh, a good work of the weird is, for movie-wise, is uh, Eraserhead. Yeah, pretty much anything yeah. that David Lynch does is weird. That's true. You know, I was thinking, have any of you, when you were talking about that, Eric, I was thinking of this, this movie I watched a while back and I, I did a thing for it. And they, they're coming to a Scarefest, which I moderate in October. The couple of the stars, did anybody see The Greasy Strangler? I was thinking more of that for weird fiction. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh my I, god, I've heard many um intense reactions to it, but I've not seen it. They're all true. It's like a racer head. There's all these reactions and they're all accurate. Does that make sense, Wendy? Don't you think if you hate it or you love it, they're all accurate. They're all valid to a racer head. It's the same thing with Greasy Strangler. Only Greasy Strangler is not beautiful like a racer head's beautiful. What was oh. James's question? <laughs> <laughs> I, what else other than horror? <laughs> I gotta admit, I read a lot and write sometimes uh, nonfiction about like nature, like nature writing and stuff like that environmental literature oh well isn't that i mean given everything that nature uh, we're getting payback now isn't what nature doing us a good setup for horror anyway i mean we're kind of getting paid back that just kind of popped into my head i guess there's a very narrow fine line between those two subjects (laughs) yeah so that and science fiction are, are things that i tend to write a lot of when i'm not writing horror I I have a horrible time with uh, defining genre, actually. It's a bit miserable. I tend to position as like fantasy with an edge and play in that pool just because it's what I've most known historically and I hope what will sell. Um, But there's all these different terms now and, uh, you know, fabulous. You have magical realism, which is more of a um, kind of national thing, South American thing. But uh, weird is another one. I'm seeing weird and eldritch overlap a lot, but kind of those like liminal in between um, I do not know how to write solidly in a genre. So I'll have like science fantasy elements and uh, a lot of eco-punk. I hear you on the climate fiction. It's hard not to put something in these days. I guess it's just of, of everything right now. And, uh, and so there's definitely that going on. And, you know, I was doing a Diana Wynne-Jones, like reading from her first to last published book. I know, right? Yeah, that is the correct reaction. But if you go back and, and read her books, um, she's a children's writer from the UK, if, if you're not familiar, mostly children's writer. 
children's fiction used to be so much weirder, guys. It was so amazing. And she was this incredibly brilliant writer, but she was in an era where she was practically creating, defining the trajectory of children's literature and genre at the time. And she, she wrote, uh, like did essays on that topic and really bemoaned this movement towards trying to like pin down genre. And she talked about how when she was young, so much of children's fiction was really um, like morality tales. It was supposed to be good for you. It's supposed to be educational. And then there's this rise and Tolkien was, you know really kicking that off of like fantasy of speculative fiction. And now we're kind of coming back and trying to stick things in boxes. And she hated that. And I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to go like, why not just play with that full scope at any given time? And it's going to confuse readers. And some of them are going to be mad about that. And that is okay. I'm okay with that. I'm, I don't know. I can't help making readers uncomfortable. So I'm just going to embrace it. Well, I was going to say, and actually, I, I wasn't kidding earlier when I said the last unicorn messed me up as a kid and I still haven't watched it as an adult. I will not go back to it. I grew up on a farm as well and we had cattle. So that flaming bull scarred okay. me for life. Like it was Dude, one of those the skeleton that... on top of the fireplace, man. No, that was fine. Skeletons are dead. They're not <laughs> now, just, but I could look out my window and see a herd of cattle, including that bull that inevitably when I looked out the window would be looking right in the window. I'm sorry, but the, I don't even, the breasted bird is what freaked me out more than anything in that, that, that movie. That's a whole other <laughs> issue, but really quick, yeah, you, we've got three, you, we've got three young faces who have no idea what the hell we're talking about when we're talking about the last unicorn. No offense, Drew, you have the perfect reaction face. So that's okay Drew, go watch the last unicorn go the three of you Eric, <laughs> oh, it's got a phenomenal Ken. cast the voice talent is phenomenal just, wendy's face was oh my fabulous. gosh yeah and oh, uh, beagle I've, yeah beagle's book read yeah. and i've read the book and seen the movie like more times than i can count i love it it was a favorite growing up as a kid but Here's wendy yeah. looking at you you were so excited and drew was like <laughs> just faking it just <laughs> totally faking it it's great <laughs> go check it out I just, you know, I think our fiction should be scarring children more than real life. That's a balance that we should aim for in, in our Ooh, world. We're not we're made for that. that. For yes. children. Yes. PG used to mean something. That's true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gremlins is PG. Poltergeist was PG. Well, and actually, I, I like that point, too, that kids need to be scarred. Because I think one thing that mm -hmm. happens with fiction that doesn't scar children is it makes them think that they're immune from scarring mm -hmm. and 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 one of the things my kids um fell in love with the uh, wings of fire se a series to east sutherland about dragons and it's told from the dragon's point of view but what i've enjoyed about them reading that is they get hurt all the time <laughs> and like yeah. it's not like oh they'll be better by the next book no one of them ends up blinded one of them ends up and so this idea of like my kids are now like oh yeah i probably shouldn't play with fire i probably shouldn't you know run his, into that place where people have told me not to go his kid is now, 25 and 27 though yeah well i mean you know you but they're my the kids number. they're my well, kids the, the bar is low oh, but, so and, great about fiction it's like it lets you practice stuff like that's why i love horror you get to practice being scared you get to practice being evil you got to practice dealing with evil and if we don't have fiction that's willing to give us that like how are we going to be ready for it when it hits us in the real world and kids are living in a they're looking at a world that's going to be much tougher than what i grew up with i mean sure we had lawn darts but like i don't know if that's 
nearly as scary as school shooters. So it Folks, is not. But we 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 outlawed lawn darts, and that has saved everybody. Thank goodness yeah. America took a stand and said lawn darts, no. That's <laughs> something to be glad about, right? Yeah. I've, I've, well, I think my parents still technically own a band set. <laughs> we keep well, them James, behind the 400 rifles <laughs> james i could I, I could tell you the other great the other part about this too from experience is that if you don't allow to explore these different genres and things that scare them and things that uh you know hit them emotionally and potentially you know uh I mean, to use your word, scarring ways, they'll seek it out themselves. My oldest mm -hmm. daughter uh, is somebody who reacted really negatively to scary stuff when she was little. And so we spent a lot of time, and I regret this, actually, we spent a lot of time sort of sanitizing her input, right? Because we didn't want her to get too scared. She got scared uh, really bad a couple of times. And we were like, nope, you know, don't want to do that. Don't want to wake up 45 times a night with nightmares, all this different stuff. So we're just going to sanitize the input. As soon as she got a hold of YouTube, the first thing she started seeking out was creepypastas. Like it was just immediate. Uh, and she's somebody who I watched, she's 10 years old. I watch scary movies with her now, but she, 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 built her own tolerance for it in absence of my allowing it to happen uh so you know it, they'll they'll seek it out if you don't let them have it <laughs> well I, I think that's one of the good things about reading as well and i'm not anti-horror movie obviously but i think reading horror mm -hmm. i control the imagery right and sometimes that's to my not to my good Detriment. because sometimes the word I, is you're yes, looking that for would be, that would be the word yes thank P -H -D -M -D. you phdmd Detriment. Not in detrimental sciences and in, in something else. But anyway, um, but you know, I, I think that I, and I think that's why horror is is so important though, is because I get to envision it how I want to, and that grows with me. And and quite frankly, it's one of the things Joe and I and Chad have had this conversation before, going back to Stephen King and going back to movie adaptions. That scene in Pet Cemetery where uh, Gage meets an unhappy ending plays different to me now than it did when I was 18 because now I have two things that technically according to the state I'm supposed to care for <laughs> and if awesome. something happens to them I get a phone call all right not to not to wrap this up but if we didn't get Drew's answer and I need to know the cat's name oh okay. this one's bliss what's his name bliss bliss, bliss like oh blissful. oh you cute all right. So the other one, soul for soul eater, just to you know, balance things out. Soul eater, <laughs> gotta balance it out. Is soul eater a black cat? He's got a darker coloring, dark face. Yeah, he looks that grumpy. That clocks. That makes that makes a lot of sense. All right. Okay. What was your answer, um, Drew? This is going to sound a little weird. So writing, if it's not straight horror, I kind of will genre bend, dark fantasy. Um, I've got one or two things, short stories out getting published that I think are a little more on the dark fantasy, dark Western side that I'm pretty proud of. But reading, watching, 1940 stuff. It's, it's super embarrassing. I don't know why, but I will just reread Raymond Chandler, James M. Cain, like none other. Yeah. I've read like 18 out of the 22 Travis McGee's just it's my comfort food I like period stuff but 
you know, I just, the pros, I'm a sucker for good pros. Yeah. The darkness, the moral ambiguity. That's not embarrassing at all. It's not. I just, Other- and I like stuff where things actually happen. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I, I can't get into literary fiction. Most of it. I'm just like, look, my, both my parents are pretty blue collar. I was raised pretty blue collar. So when I read a story, I want to read about characters that are doing things, being proactive, having like real thoughts and feelings and not like wondering about the nature of existence for the 20th time on a Sunday. Drew, I do this. Do you ever read something that's literary fiction and the whole time you're waiting for the monster to jump out? Because I do it <laughs> yes. constantly. Yes. Yes. Oh my God, now- In between wanting to throttle the protagonist. I'm like, <laughs> dude, dude whole like okay i used to do hotel housekeeping as a job i used to like clean toilets like mm-hmm. i used to work in the trades for for beat's sake no so you I'm could say the other word <laughs> like my old job i had to be there at 6 a.m i was up at 4 30 i was working 10 hour shifts and i'm just i'm just looking at these literary protagonists that are just complaining that like oh my mother looked at me funny the other day. This reminds me of my childhood. I need to have a 20 page long flashback. Oh no, oh no, told in pretentious flowery prose. Oh, I'm just like, holy fuck, dude. Holy fuck, I don't care. Do something cool. I want a monster to come. Okay, I, you know what? And sometimes I have a hard time getting into Shirley Jackson's longer stuff because it's like you said, like I read The Haunting of Hill House and the whole time I hated all of the characters so much that I was kind of rooting for the house. Oh my God, Drew. Dude, Chad James. (laughs) Finally, somebody agrees with me. No, I hate all these. They're all terrible people. Go house. House is doing something. I can't stand her. I always get so aggravated. In fact, I prefer the movie. I prefer the movie much more than the- I prefer the shitty movie. The shitty, schlocky movie. Okay, I don't know that. I don't know that. But but my favorite haunted house is- uh, My favorite haunted is Hell House by Richard Matheson. And I've made this comment several times on here that I prefer- it's so good and i love the movie the original one sheet for the roddy for the picture with roddy mcdowell in it from the mm-hmm. 70s is over here on the other side no but i you're the sorry drew you we, we've got something in common i had I, to say it i, I had to say it man. i don't hate the haunting i just don't give two shits about the protagonist like you say she just needs to i just can't stand her whining i, I by the way the, oh good none of the characters are good the protagonist isn't good the whiny other three people whose names I can't even remember right. because they're just whiny cardboard cutouts are not good. Yeah. Just you know, go murder house, team murder house for life. <laughs> By the way, though, the, the commentary on the literary, now I'm sitting there thinking about the literary works that I do like, and I'm like, what monster could I build into Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky that could really jazz it up? What what sort of creature should I have come out that, you know, Raskolnikov's going to have to deal with that? Sorry, I feel like Crime and Punishment has enough axe murder. That's uh, that's you know, it's one literally. Some of that. I I briefly, I trained to teach high school English before I went back and got other degrees because I realized I hated high school the first time and didn't belong as a teacher. Uh, That being said, um, it was the only work that I was like because they they had us read Moby Dick and I was like, yeah, the whale's right. 
I don't care about anybody else. So, well, like, oh, everybody else is going to die. Spoiler. Okay, cool. But at least with Crime and Punishment, I'm like, okay. I mean, he killed somebody, as you said. There's enough axe murder. Mm -hmm. And then he's dealing with, oh, yeah, now I've got to realize what I've done. And I and I can only rationalize it so long before I have to take some ownership. So it's it's one of the only, quote unquote, literary where I can go into a scholarly, scholarly conversation and fake my way. And then they're like, well, what did you think about, I don't know. Uh, the fairy queen but yeah oh i don't know you want i'm done i'm gonna go over here and get a snack speaking of being done james thomas let's wrap it up so people can go out and do whatever i mean wendy has to go party drew has to drink Kay's already drinking eric he's going to go out and drink more and brandon you're just gonna dry click that revolver i'm assuming sir I don't know. Whatever it is you were reaching for earlier, I, I don't know what you're doing. Let's make it dark. Just anyway, a pen. Don't worry. Just right. a pen. Before we go, though, Brandon, when is the book coming out? Let's talk about all the 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 this to sell the stuff. Absolutely. It is called It Was All a Dream, an anthology of bad horror tropes done right. It's out October 18th. Uh, pretty much anywhere you can buy books online. Uh, we're going through Ingram Spark, so it's uh, Amazon, it's Barnes and Noble, it's my own website, hungryshadowpress.com, uh, it's uh, bookshop.org, all those places you'll be able to get it there. Uh, and it'll be available in hardback, paperback, and ebook formats. Uh, so, however, you want to read it, you can read it. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can actually pre order it now. So, hungryshadowpress.com, pre order it there, uh, or you know, wait till your bookstore of choice has their product detail page up. That sounds and, great. And if they order it off of hungryshadowpress.com, saying that one more time, uh, yep. I, I believe they can get you to sign it before it's shipped. Is that correct? There is a checks box that says signed by the editor. I will sign it. I don't know if anybody wants that. A couple of people have said they do so far. So yay for that. But if, yeah, uh, I will we, do I will do that. If we ask for you to sign something specifically, is there like a checkbox and then I want him to write to his loving bear from Kentucky? <laughs> joe i would do that for you but you got to dm me about it all right <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry Hello. now before we go i want to go around and get everybody's uh, so if your people want to read more of your stuff where they can find your stuff and where they can find you out on the social medias okay we're going to start with eric eric go because i feel like i leave, left you towards the end every time sure yeah so you can find me on Twitter at Eric Raglan 1992. Um, as far as things I have out or things I have coming out, uh, Nightmare Yearnings, my first collection, uh, has been out for about a year. Um, I just edited and released a collection of uh, sports and fitness body horror fiction called Shredded. That's really, really <laughs> good and has uh, actually one of Brandon's stories in it. And um, I have my second collection, which is really fucking bleak and good called extinction hymns coming out in december so um yeah and that's through brigades gate press Brig brigades brigades god i brandon help me out uh, i'm gonna go with brigades i'm going with brigades, brigades. Cool. although that's although good. although alex said brigades the other day so yeah okay so, so well, is, anyway by the book will <laughs> extinction hymns be out in time for the holidays i need something uh, i can give people I, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to make them depressed then yeah yeah that's, that's uh, I, I usually what i do for the holidays <laughs> well i was really excited the that the i thought the title was really fucking bleak and i was like oh my god i gotta buy really mm -hmm. fucking bleak 
Yeah, it's a yeah. big book. So. <laughs> so the actual title. All right, K.A. Yeah, so um, on just about all the social channels, K-Space, that's K-A-I-E-S-P-A-C-E, -E, uh, kawiggins.com for the website. I have a finished white trilogy. It pretends to be fantasy. It has a lot of body horror, a lot of angst, a lot of gothic crap going on. And it's uh, monsters and climate change come for Vancouver 100 years in the future. I should have an adult series coming out later this, later, maybe later this year, probably next year. And a uh, spooky haunted basement cave uh, middle grade coming out hopefully next year. So lots going on. Uh, short fiction is mostly horror, lots of body horror. So if that's your jam, you can also check that out there. Cool. Thank you. Drew. Okay. So I'm going to mention the website. It looks really pretty, but I haven't updated it in a while. Um, it's got like a little synopsis for Freeburn. Drew E. Huff at Hotmail, uh, Drew, <laughs> Drew E. Huff .com. Um, mostly I'm on Twitter, but I'm not like on Twitter a lot. I'm not really a social media person, uh, but I do try to keep things updated. Uh, Dreadnought, subscript, Drew, D-R-U. For short fiction, I have a short story coming out in Death's Head Press's uh, Western anthology, Hot Iron and Cold Blood. I'm really proud of it. Um, it it's definitely not quite like this one, but it, it's very, it, it's pretty good. I'm pretty, I'm very proud of it. And I actually have two other pieces getting published, um, both of them by Night Terror Novels. I've got one, Lots of Body Horror, it's uh, getting published in their homeless charity anthology. Uh, there used to be a house here. That one's coming out fairly soon. And actually, I have a piece that's going to be in Theater Phantasmagoria sometime in September this month. Just a little quick piece of flash fiction. Now, right now, I am mostly trying to, I'm working on a new novel, and I'm trying to shop around my novel manuscript, Freeburn. Freeburn is fucking insane. So it's well-written, just needs to find a home. But uh, I'll say this, if you liked It Wasn't a Wedding Cake, you're gonna fucking love Freeburn. Same voice, no, not quite the same voice, but same vibe. All right, great. And last but not least, Miss Wagner, Wendy Wagner. Well, um, my website is the ridiculously named winniewoohoo.com. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hold on hold on is it winnie woohoo or windy woohoo winnie woohoo w-i-n-n-i-e w-o-o-h-o-o.com uh, it's easier to find me probably on twitter at w-n wagner every month uh, my magazine comes out it's nightmare dash magazine.com um my novel the deer king you can find that at amazon or barnes and noble things like that so if you're into like a kids on bikes kind of vibe mixed with like folk horror scary cults and football um so you can find that out in the world my novella the secret skin is similarly at like bookstores all around um it was actually a washington post uh, Year's best science fiction slash fantasy slash horror pick last year. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just trying to sell my most recent novel. I've got, 
a handful of other short stories coming out at some point. So yeah, hopefully people will find me on Twitter and catch up with all of my stuff. <laughs> and Brandon, where can we find you? Dead in a ditch. Uh, probably no. Uh, <laughs> on a I'm on Twitter side of the road. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, for my writing stuff. I'm at Brandon Applegate, but eight is an eight, so G and the number eight. Uh, at uh, for the press stuff, like uh, for like this book, uh, I'm on Hungry Sh at Hungry Shadow One on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Hungry Shadow Press. I am newly on facebook sort of reluctantly i don't really like facebook but i had to do it for the for the instagram stuff mm -hmm. uh and uh two websites hungryshadowpress.com and bapplegate.com or bapplegate.com depending on how you want to pronounce it uh and uh you can pick up my short story collection those we left behind and other sacrifices which uh, we've talked about before uh or pre-order uh this book which is going to be great and it includes stories from all the wonderful people we've talked to today the forward by uh laird baron yet another hero i got to hang i got to work with a little bit uh and uh yeah and uh and a uh, a lot of uh incredible stories so yeah all right well we want to thank you all so much for coming on bonehead weekly i hope you've had a decent time i want you all if you're listening or watching to go out pick up a copy in october if it was all a dream an anthology of bad horror tropes done right this has been Bonehead Weekly. Uh.